I'm Anne, co-host of Transparency in Teaching, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. I've had at least 15 students who have increased more than four grade levels. He used theater as a tool to make great human beings. My expectations are high for all of them. One of the things that I really love about teaching is the fact that every day is sort of unique and different and strange. Hi everyone, this is Christy, your host, and today we'll be hearing from Sarah Messier and Lauren Rapucci. Sarah is a third grade teacher at Learning First Charter Public School in Worcester, Massachusetts, where she's in her 10th year of teaching in the primary grades. Lauren Rapucci is the Assistant Student Support Director at Learning First, which is a K-8 school. Lauren has been there for nine years and was the occupational therapist and worked in community health prior to her current role. I had never actually heard of a student support director, and so I wanted to start by hearing about what all that role entails. My role currently involves me coordinating all of our social emotional learning services. And then in addition, um, our related services, so like our occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy. And then any other tiered supports that we provide to students at our school that are not special education. This is my first year in it. So I started in August. Yeah. And it's the first year our school's had this role. So. I was going to say, is it a new role? It is. Yeah. But it's really nice because it really um, it lets um, somebody really focus in on, on that very important work. So it, it is good. And my guess is for a couple of reasons. First of all, just because even prior to the pandemic, social emotional learning was becoming a big focus for a lot of schools and districts. And if it wasn't already before the pandemic, it is now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So was part of your job in that role to find great resources to help your teachers and students address this learning? Yeah, absolutely. So making sure that our teachers had what they needed in the classrooms to be able to do the school-wide implementation of curriculum. What was in place prior to you stepping into this role? Yeah, so we did. We had a curriculum. Unfortunately, that company went out of business. Part of my role this year was finding what programs we would be using for next year. Sarah, talk about the needs that you were seeing. What kind of behaviors and needs were you really wanting this curriculum or program that Lauren was looking for to address? So in any given classroom that I've been here for 10 years, so this is true of every single year, you get kids at all different levels who have emotional needs. Some of them, you know, come in and they have plans already put in place with accommodations that they need and supports in this area. So some of them, you know, just need emotional regulation. Some of them need to know how to interact with their peers. Some of them struggle how to cope with different situations or scenarios happening in their lives. How big of a challenge would you say? And I know you can't speak for everybody, but maybe just in general, for you and your colleagues, do you feel like students' social emotional health and their correlating behaviors? 
how big of a challenge is that in your classroom on a day-to-day basis, say on a scale from one to 10? Oh boy, it can be a 10 on some days. Um, It's usually a 10. Like I said, students come in with their own, you know, I keep saying baggage, their own list of needs. And on any given day, even just the, the children who can't identify why they're feeling the way that they're feeling walking through the door can be a challenge. And I think This program is great because it's not only going to cater to helping the children understand how they're feeling, but it also helps the adults in the classroom to facilitate those conversations when they're coming in the door. Well, that was my question, too, because I've heard a lot of teachers say things like, I'm not a psychologist. I was taught to teach math. I I don't know how to address these kinds of needs. On what level would that be true for you and, and your teammates, would you say? Yeah, so we all come in at different levels, right? You have teachers who, you know, Lauren and I specifically have worked together um, at the school on a few different things. And I've been lucky enough to learn a lot through her. But you've got some first year teachers coming in who forget them being able to figure out where the kids are at. They're just trying to figure out what you said, like, how do I teach this new math program, this new reading program? So whatever program we were looking for had to cater to teachers who are on all different ends of that spectrum. Yeah. Okay. And so you guys did settle on this program called Muzoom, which we're super anxious to share with our listeners and to hear more about what was your criteria. You just said one of them. It really had to differentiate for teachers wherever they were at on this learning curve. But what were some of the other criteria that you had around finding the right fit? This is Lauren. Yeah. So in addition to that, I would say we wanted a program that was highly engaging for students. That was some of the feedback on our previous program from teachers and from students is that it it wasn't as interesting that the lessons got stale over time because it was often cycling the same lesson from year to year with maybe a little bit of a tweak. But it, you know, the kids were like, we've heard this a lot of times in the same exact way. So we were looking for something that was engaging for the kids. We were looking for something that aligned. We wanted something that was aligned with the castle framework. We wanted, because we do use that in our school um, to set goals with the kids. So we wanted to make sure like what we were teaching them in those SEL um, lessons was aligned with the goals that they were setting for themselves. Because we do that school-wide. And then also we wanted something that felt feasible and reasonable for the teachers. There's just so many demands on teachers and now more than ever (laughs) coming back off the pandemic. And we wanted to make sure that whatever we were asking of teachers, that it, it was going to be effective and that it was also going to be efficient with their time. Yeah. And so you found something that met those criteria called MooZoom. So for our listeners, it's M-O-O-Z-O-O-M, MooZoom. And it's a curriculum for what grade levels? It's for grades one through six currently. So Sarah, talk about when, where, how does this get implemented? What does it look like in a classroom? Sure. So I'll talk about what it looks like in my classroom, but then I'll kind of speak to just how flexible the program really can be. In my classroom, we use it every morning to kick off our morning during morning meeting. That's where we've carved out kind of our character education and social emotional learning block. And it takes usually 10 to 15 minutes each morning. We do it Monday through Thursday. And it's really a flexible program because teachers can put it anywhere in their day. It's not a demanding program. 15 minutes of your day is so manageable in a classroom. Now, if you were to extend that to a program that required you to sit for you know, 30 minutes or 35, 
that's a little more difficult now to, to make happen in your classroom. And then, of course, you have to talk about engagement levels. You're not going to really get young kids to sit down much longer than that at one period of time. The way that the program is designed is you could even teach certain pieces at different times throughout the day. So if you really wanted to even use it as like a brain break type of thing, it would be a really neat program to do that because you can definitely take the pieces and switch them around however you want. And it keeps the integrity of the program the way that it was meant to to kind of flow together. So it sounds like even within your school, teachers have the flexibility to implement it at whatever part of their day or disperse it throughout their day if that's easier for them. Definitely. So you do it typically for the first 15 minutes of your day. And what types of activities are included in that? Sure. So we always start every module. It starts with a main video that's super interactive and the kids absolutely love it. It directly connects to the theme. So for example, last week, our theme was bullying. We were learning all about bullying. How to identify it? Is it really bullying versus teasing? What if you're on the end of bullying? So the first video that we watched, you would see a scenario of bullying on the screen. And then students actually get to choose the emotions that the characters might be feeling during different parts of that video or their responses. So this week, um, we're talking specifically about kind of accepting no. When you hear no, all the feelings that can come up. And we watched about a girl who wanted to go to laser tag with her friends and her dad wasn't really sure what it was all about, had never been and said, "Mm, I'm not so sure I feel comfortable with you going. My classroom got to pick what she might have felt in that moment where her father said no to her. And maybe it was disappointment. Maybe it was sadness. Maybe it was anger. So the kids really get to have a conversation about if I were in a similar situation, how would I feel? And then they get to see the character on screen feeling the same way. So we start out there. There's always some type of role-playing activity that you can do. So later, and we usually save that for later in the week after they've really grasped the concept. There's journal activities, there are quizzes, and every single activity the teacher has a choice whether to do that activity on screen with her students or the students can go off and independently work on those different sections, which is really cool too, because, you know, it gives a lot of differentiation. Sometimes you have a small group of kids who you want to send them off and say, okay, work on this independently. And then you've got other kids in class that definitely need a little bit more support. And you're able to do that with this program as well. You said that you're currently looking at bullying. Is that because bullying's been an issue in your classroom or your school, or that's kind of just the, the next module in line? Or can you pick and choose based on the behaviors or concerns that you're having? Yeah. So for this year, just because in my classroom, it was piloted a little bit after the year had started, we are just starting the program from top to bottom and working Going through, through chronologically it, um, next year. Some of our plan is to definitely kind of align it a little bit with either curriculum or by classroom. The very first module is about changes, which is just makes sense, right? New kids coming in, meeting a new teacher. Maybe they have new classmates. Next year, we'll be in a new building. A lot of new changes. And it just kind of makes sense to have a module like that come first. But teachers definitely have the flexibility to to plug them in where needed in class. Okay. And then as it goes through each grade level, 
So your kiddos will have had Boozoom this year in third grade. They'll have it again next year in fourth grade, but it'll be different. Yep. They release new content every year. How does this adapt for your English learners or for your SPED kids? Are there adaptations kind of embedded in it or does it just differentiate kind of naturally? A lot of the features actually that you want for your English language learners and you want for your special education students are kind of naturally built into the program. For example, like the quizzes, there's always like read aloud options just built in, like kids can get a read aloud. They demonstrate a lot of the vocabulary because it is so video-based. All of the vocabulary is demonstrated by the characters and connected, which you want for students, uh, for English language learners students. Obviously, like anything else you're delivering in your classroom, you tailor it to your kids. So, But I do think having the resources be available, set up, and flexible does make that a little bit easier. Yeah, I would definitely co-sign with Lauren on everything she just said, that it's it's really just naturally built into the program. Even teachers who maybe aren't brand new teachers coming in who know that there's accommodations in their class and you've got your English language learners and you've got your kids with accommodations that they need. There's not a level of preparedness that they need on top of what's already built into the program, which again is really nice because that's, yeah. Anything additional that us teachers have to plan sometimes, I hate to say it, but sometimes those kinds of programs take a back seat. So it's nice that this program never will take a back seat because it doesn't require much to meet all kids' needs. Yeah. It's that feeling of if you put one more thing on my plate, it's going down the garbage disposal. I don't have space for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you're almost a full year in to having piloted. How are you measuring the success? So I can talk a little bit about just what observational wise, what I've seen in my class. And something I haven't mentioned yet either that's so important is the kids that the actors in these videos are so similar to the kids we have here. They use actors that are the same age, that are going through some similar similar situations. The scenarios that they put on screen are never these outlandish things. It's very situations that your kids would encounter. Your parents saying no or a friend on the bus not being kind to you. Those are things that happen to these kids all the time. So the characters are their age. The characters look like them. They act like them. One really cool thing is that I I honestly can say out of the 25 kids that I have in my classroom this year, all 25 of them, um, I've got buy-in from all of them. They walk away talking about these kids on screen as if they're friends or comparing the situations that they've had in class to, oh, remember when Daniel or when Sam was going through this? And I think that relatability factor really just pulls the kids in. And that was so important too, is finding something that they weren't going to just be able to talk about sitting in that moment. But when you're at recess and you're having these you know, difficult conversations or these difficult situations with your friends, being able to use what it is you're, you've, you've learned through the Muslim activities. Do you have a favorite success story involving a specific student or group of students? Oh, I have so many, so many. (laughs) Sarah had two pretty dramatic stories that she really wanted to share. In the first one, the class had been working their way through a lesson on sense of belonging. The conversations through Muslim were about when you feel like you aren't wanted or when you don't belong in a situation. And there was 
conversation that even started about going through tough times. Kids started raising their hands, eager to share times when they didn't feel welcome or times when they had had a hard time with no one to really support them. And divorce came up for a few of my kids, you know, and how they felt like a parent moving away almost felt like they as a child were being rejected in a way, which one for them to make that connection. I was impressed that they were able to kind of say like it felt like a rejection. It. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of kids in during a divorce probably feel that way, but they don't necessarily right. have the words for it. Absolutely. We had this lengthy conversation and One of my parents had contacted me at night and she said, you know, I just want you to know that the conversation that you had sparked up in class where my my son was today, he was able to come home and really express to me how he was feeling about his father and I who recently got divorced. And she said, we called dad up today. and we, We asked him to come over and have dinner with us. And it was just a really great way of my son being able to see that this is not about you and this is not about us rejecting you and we can still be here together for you. This mother became really emotional talking with Sarah. The divorce had, of course, been difficult for her as well and she had been understandably absorbed in her own struggle to process all of her emotions. Until this Muzum lesson gave her son the words and confidence to speak with her, she had been completely unaware of the ways her son was internalizing the divorce. That was huge. And it still continues to today, the good news. They still have like family dinners together, which is really cool. And you can see the child and how he's just, he's been so much happier since then. And he talks about it. The impact of that. Yes. It's a skill that that kid is going to be able to take into his future. Absolutely. The second story that Sarah shared involved a student who had experienced the death of a close family member. The parents specifically asked Sarah that no one question the student about why she'd been absent, or bring up the loss, or mention the event at all, because the student was having a hard time processing and they didn't want her to feel uncomfortable. We talked about, I said, you know, we're not going to always share the big, sad things that happen in our life, but we've all had sad things happen in our life. And this particular child, something happened. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but something happened in her life. And it's it's sad and it's making her, her heart hurt. And the kids were able to come up with a lot of different ways to show her empathy. And we defined the word empathy and they were amazing at it. About a week later, Sarah's class had just finished up their Muzum lesson in the morning. And this student quietly approached her desk. And said, can I say something to my classmates? And I said, absolutely. And she stood up in front of the class and she said, something really big has gone on in my life. And I've been really sad and I haven't wanted to talk about it. But you all have made me feel like you care about me and I'm ready to tell you. She told us what had happened in her family. And again, her parents were... Thank you so much for providing this opportunity because at home we didn't know how to talk to her about it. And we haven't been talking to her about it, but we know that it's been affecting her. The student's parents came to see Sarah in person a few days later. They just said, she's this whole different kid at home. It's like she just has a weight that's been lifted. And we know it's because she was finally able to just like really talk about this really hard event that happened in her life. And 
you have a lot of kids who sometimes you know what they're going through and sometimes you don't. But Zoom has given us a platform to understand ourselves and to understand others. There's a lot of naming emotions and okay, if you're feeling upset, let's go a little further. What do you mean upset? Are you angry, furious, annoyed, frustrated, sad? It's not just surface level. It's really digging deep. And I think it's bringing a lot of these kids to a place that they're not necessarily used to going, but it feels good to be able to get there. I mean, what a lesson for all of the kids in the classroom, not just that little girl, right? But all of them to model some real true empathy and to just the fact that our classroom is a place where there is space for all of our feelings and for all of who we are. I hope you keep a lot of Kleenex in your classroom. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'd be a crying mess all the time with kids having these kinds of connections. You were just making me remember when my paternal grandfather died when I was in fourth grade. And I remember raising my hand in class because you don't know what to do with that at all as a fourth grader, right? You just don't know what to do with it. And just raising my hand, I don't know if we were having like show and tell. I don't, it probably wasn't a completely inappropriate moment, right? (laughs) To say, my grandpa died last night. And I think what happened was my teacher probably said something like, you know, that's a really sad thing or whatever. And then carried on with the lesson because that's just not something you did then. You know, you just, you didn't make space. Right. And now we do. And yeah. also it can be so uncomfortable for teachers. Yeah. Who don't know how to react, but you sit there and you listen to the Muzum videos and you go through the discussion questions. And even as an adult, it teaches you. Yeah. And the lessons that we walk away with from those moments, right? The fact that you waited for this little girl to be ready. First of all, to share what she wanted to share. And then when she was ready, you made the space for her to do it. And your other kids were accustomed to how to respond. Yes. There is room for these feelings in our classroom versus the lesson that I probably walked away with was that that's not appropriate. Like those feelings are not appropriate to share, not knocking my teacher at all, right? Like I'm sure he did the best he could, but just, we walk away with lessons. And so to create the norms that allow us to walk away with skills and understanding and to be a more evolved person emotionally in those situations, it gives us all, I think, hope for our next generation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's amazing qualitative data that you just shared. I'm curious, Lauren, you're probably a little bit on the other side of the spectrum looking at how you, we want to measure the success of this program with quantitative data. Is there any kind of assessment or how, what kind of data are you gathering? Yeah. So I would say that quantitative data for SEL is something that I have been kind of working to get up and running because previously we really didn't have a lot of assessment or like, you know, we weren't using any like universal screeners. For this year, they did like a pre and post survey for the teachers and they did look at, you know, the self awareness, self management, social awareness, relationship skills, responsible decision making, and how the kids were demonstrating those skills within the classroom. So we do have some quantitative data in that sense. And the children, the teachers reported that the children grew in all of those areas. Moving forward, I think I'm hoping that we'll have 
some nicer data because it'll be more student report from internally. You talked a minute ago about as you get more and more familiar with Muzoom and the content of the lessons and things of overlapping this with content instruction. How do you envision that happening? So I really, what pops into my mind are, you know, reading and like social studies and where you can overlap them there. All of our reading units are under like these big headings, citizenship or overcoming fears, things like that. And of course, the books that we're reading in those units go along quite nicely with usually like a social emotional learning unit as well. And social studies too, you know, you talk about government and there's plenty of things that you can pull out of government about responsibility and team building and working together. And you talk about democracy when it's in the the realm of social studies, but it's teamwork and it's cooperation when you're talking about social emotional learning. So I think actually quite easily, we would be able to work it into a lot of the other areas of study that we teach Mm -hmm. in our rooms. Which is lovely because I feel like learning is so much more powerful when it's integrated that way. And Absolutely. These silos of information. So who would you two suggest check this out? Should it be any teacher? Should it be a district level leader? Who can reach out to Muzoom about piloting, I guess? So I would definitely advocate for... K through at least third, fourth, fifth grade to be doing this. Kids need these types of strategies early on. That's what, that's when they're learning how to do this, that, how to react to situations, how to analyze situations, what kind of vocabulary words to use with each other and how to express their emotions. And I would say any good teacher knows that until you are teaching the whole child, you're not teaching them anything, right? You're not going to teach a child math, reading, writing, science, social studies, if you're also not teaching them how to regulate their bodies and be kind to one another and in social situations, how you should be behaving. And so I would say any teacher who really wants to have a successful classroom and who, if you want to get far academically, then let's start here. So I would suggest it to any teacher who just wants to lay that foundation for their classroom. And I would say too, there is like a free trial so you can see examples of what the content looks like. So it's definitely worth like checking out. I do think anytime when you're able to pair like the teaching teaching teams and the administration together to make these kinds of decisions, I think that's when things really go well. But I think their free trial is helpful because you can look at, at it before and then you can reach out to them at any time. Yeah, that is super helpful. Anytime you can do a free trial or a free pilot. So glad to let people know about that. Lauren, I just have one more question for you. If you had to choose one thing about your school and your teacher's experience and your students' experience with Muzoom that makes you feel like you really made the right choice on the resource that you chose, what is that? I would say their enthusiasm. I don't feel like you always hear such enthusiasm and passion about how well something is going from teachers or how excited the kids are when you speak with them. Sometimes, you know, you just don't get that response. So I think hearing that from both the kids and the teachers, that that made me feel good about the decision that we were making. 
you can connect to Muzoom and set up a free trial by clicking the link in the episode notes or by searching Muzoom, M-O-O-Z-O-O-M, at edcuration.com. And while you're visiting us at EdCuration, you can set up your own dashboard to collect favorite resources, see other educators' ratings and reviews, read the standards alignment, white papers, and other efficacy documents, and create one-click comparison spreadsheets for any resources you're considering for your school or classroom. You can also take advantage of our recently added Buy Now feature, which allows you to download quotes and to purchase directly through the site, eliminating all the back and forth, clicking around, and typical delays of resource procurement. At EdCuration, we're here to curate the best resources for you, saving time and improving outcomes. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you and that you will like, rate, and share, and join us again next week to reshape learning with the EdCuration podcast. Podcast.